Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. It's the 1860s on a tropical island teeming with animals and flowers. A black freedom seeker and a Cherokee woman fleeing the Trail of Tears make their home here. They have a daughter, Magnolia, who grows up and falls in love on the island. That story of freedom, trauma, family, and nature was originally written by the Harlem Renaissance author Zora Neale Hurston, and now it's been adapted into a children's book. Magnolia Flower by Ibram X. Kendi, illustrated by Lovis Wise, is on sale this week. And joining us to talk more about this book is the author. Ibram X. Kendi is the author of several books, including How to Be Anti-Racist, How to Raise an Anti-Racist, and another picture book, Good Night Racism. He's also the director of the Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research. What is it about this story, Magnolia Flower, that made you want to adapt it for young readers? Well, I when I took in the, the, the really the experience of this story, I think what was most striking was the beginning and the end of the story is a you have a mighty river who is being sort of begged to tell a love story to a dancing brook and just the imagery of that. Um, and, and now the, the mighty river is like, okay, okay, I'll tell you a story. And then the, 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 the river tells this, this story of, of, of Magnolia flower, which at its core it was the story of this Afro-Indigenous woman who was, who was seeking and, and not being stopped from receiving love. And and so to me, a, you know, a, a love story at its core, mm-hmm. with sort of characters from the natural world, is is precisely. I knew the type of book that would excite my daughter, who's six years old, and other children her age. Yeah, I love the idea of of a love story being adapted for for young for young children. And take us back a little bit into the history. Ibram, for those who don't know, talk a bit more about Zora Neale Hurston as a writer. Who was she? What's her legacy? So, so Zora Neale Hurston, I mean, she's, she was most known for her novel, Their Eyes Were Watching God, which, which came out in, in 1937, but she's even also known as one of the lights of what was known as the Harlem Renaissance, which was this incredible outpouring of of Black creativity in Harlem in the 1920s and to a certain extent in the 1930s. And she not only wrote novels like, um, you know, her classic, but she also wrote short stories. But even for me, what was striking about her, she collected folklore, particularly folklore from Black rural um, people in the South. And because she's from Central uh, Florida, she was born in Alabama, but came of age in, in Eatonville, Florida, a small town near Orlando. And she also was just had this incredible genius to convey the complex equality uh, of, of everyday people. Mm-hmm. So as we mentioned that this story, it centers on Magnolia. Her father is a black man fleeing from slavery and a Cherokee woman who's escaping the uh, the Trail of Tears. How does this 
speak to the broader story of relationships between Black and Native people? Well, I think it, it's, it is especially something that speaks to Florida and Central Florida and, and parts of the South where you had the emergence of, of maroon communities. And in, in maroon communities were these communities where enslaved people fled to woods or mountains or swamps and, and built their own sort of free communities within this sort of larger, almost sea of slavery. And, and at times you had indigenous people who also helped build these, these communities. And certainly there were communities like that in Florida and and Afro-Indigenous sort of resistance to slavery and settler colonialism was very strong in Florida, which I, I think was one of the reasons why, why, why Zora decided to, 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 to essentially, that, that Magnolia flower would be this Afro-Indigenous girl. Yeah. And, and as we said, the story is narrated by a river. Why do you think <laughs> yes. that, why do you think that is? So at one point, Zora wrote that love is always moving, like that love is always in motion. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I wonder if that was one of the reasons why she had a river convey this love story. And you also sort of see, and, and, and I sort of integrated into the adaptation that the, the river is, is receiving these love stories over the years, which is how the river is able to convey one, you know, to, to the brook. So I think just the, the, the concept of a, of a moving thing from the natural world, like a river, was congruent with how Zora imagined love. Yeah, the, the, the main character, Magnolia, she grows up, she falls in love with a poet, but her father tries to separate them because he wants her to marry a wealthier man. How do you think fear is a factor in this story? I think it is. I think it is a factor in, in, in Magnolia Flower. But I think what what happens is is Magnolia Flower decides that she's not going to allow fear or someone like her father, you know, telling her no, stop her. And I think that's also something that can connect to. <laughs> this age group of four to eight year olds because yeah. anyone who's has a four or eight year old or teaches them or not anymore you know, but i did them. yeah <laughs> they're teens they, now, they just but don't like no at they all don't. They, well they <laughs> so still don't relate yes to magnolia <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they sure don't so we got to talk about the illustrations by lovis wise uh, they're so colorful every page it just it looks like a painting it's absolutely gorgeous uh, I mean, even when you were talking about how love moves like a river a moment ago, I I saw that. I saw that come to life in your book. And I'm also hearing that Lovis is, is quite young, in their 20s. Is that right? I mean, Lo Lovis is, 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 I mean, I can still remember the first time I, I, I saw the, their, their illustrations and I was, I was just blown away. I mean, so I mean good. clearly... I mean, this, the, the book and the language and the story, uh, you know, there was so much sort of imagery and beauty to it. I, I thought certainly I was hoping that we had il illustrations that sort of matched that, but, but Lovis <laughs> took it to a whole nother level. And indeed my daughter, what she likes the most about the book is not what her father <laughs> adapted from, 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 from Zara. It's not it's, the words. It's, it's, 
No, it is not the words. It's the illustrations. And and I can agree. I mean, <laughs> what was collaborating with Lovis like? Well, I mean, I think it was it it was an incredible sort of process. And I think Lovis is um, you know, they're a huge admirer of 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 Zora Neale Hurston and and I, and I think they they took this um opportunity as I did with, with you know an incredible amount of you know care and and seriousness and so you know I think to to collaborate with and and connect on that level of seriousness and care and and really wanting to do to write by Zora was just I mean it was an incredible experience to collaborate with them yeah even the end papers are, are so intricate um there are these winding vines of pink and yellow flowers. Why are flowers so important throughout this story, literally from page one? I think not only in terms of, obviously, the girl's name being Magnolia Flower, and, and I think Magnolia Flowers are quite, you know, beautiful, but but just love itself and, and freedom. And And I think one thing that we wanted the narrative and the story to convey to children is the beauty of pushing for freedom, is the beauty of pushing for love. I was reading your your author's note, and um, first I was really glad that you had an author's note that sort of explained things, and you had the historical note next to it as well. Uh, but you, you mentioned that you want to adapt Zora Neale Hurston's stories because you think kids are ready for her work. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I think that, you know, Zora's stories were, were so sort of intricate. They were reflective of the breadth of the human sort of experience. They were joyful. Of course, you know, there were love stories like like Magnolia Flower. And and then she also collected folklore and, and, and you know, folklore, particularly from the rural Black South. And those folk tales are just beautiful uh, and funny and humorous and 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 filled with sort of wisdom. And so to be able to connect the some the youngest of people to 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 the rich tradition of of black folk tales, or even you know a a, a writer, a legendary writer like Zora Neale Hurston, is really a dream come true. Yeah, you know your your illustrations that they're, they're full of. Uh, pictures of nature, right? What's the role of nature in Black Southern folklore? And how how do you think Zora Neale Hurston drew from that, inspiration-wise? Well, I think one of the, one of Zora's books that inspired me to even consider sort of in thinking about and get excited about the potential of of adapting uh, her work for, for, for children was her folklore collection called Mules and Men. And in that collection of folklore, many of the stories are the characters in the stories are, 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 are from the natural world. So, you know, whether, I mean, we were just, of course, talking about a river and a brook. Right. And, you know, for Magnolia Flower, but there are all sorts of animal characters or characters from plants and, you know, and, and, and have, of course, those characters are speaking to each other. And, and, you know, obviously when it comes to children's books, you know, a lot of children's books have 
characters from the natural world and it allows children to become connected and it even allows them to learn about particular ideas and uh, which I'm hoping also, you know, some of the books we adapt based on Zora will, will do as well. Yeah. I mean, you have animals in here, even if they're not speaking, the animals are are definitely, you know, sort of taking center stage in, in a lot of your pages here um, and, and definitely noticeable. So uh, I thought that that was interesting. You know, something else, I know that you heard about this, Ibram, your book, Anti-Racist Baby. It was brought up during Justice Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation hearings. It got some harsh words from conservative politicians. I wonder how you feel about that argument that young kids, they're just too young to learn about racism. So as a father of, of a young child, I know that we, we have to talk to our children about a number of topics that are uncomfortable, that we'd rather not talk to them about that's going to make them that when I say uncomfortable, uncomfortable for us, you know, as caregivers yeah, or uncomfortable for children, topics like stranger danger or, or topics like you, when you cross the street, you must look both ways because these are the bad things that could happen. Talk to them about, okay, when you go to the doctor, they're going to give you a shot and it's going to hurt, but in the end, it's going to make you feel better. There's so many different things we talk to our children about that is uncomfortable to protect them from it. And so to me, racism and talking to them about racism so that they are protected from the mean and negative messages um, are actually beneficial, like all these other things are beneficial and protective for them. How does this story, Magnolia Flower, tie into your anti-racism work? I, I just think it's it's so incredibly important for our, our kids to to know the truth about history. And, and, and what I'm hoping is, you know, a child, maybe not the first time you read it, maybe the third time you read Magnolia Flower to them may ask about, Oh, you know, tell me about the trail of tears or, or, or tell me about um, maroons or, or tell me about slavery and, and 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 that, you know, with a six-year-old or a seven-year-old or even a five-year-old child can begin the conversation for them for, for, for learning about truthful and accurate points in time in our nation's history that can allow them to ensure uh, that when they come of age, they are part of a, a generation that would never replicate it. Mm-hmm. And showing kids, going back to what you were saying earlier, showing kids this love story, and not just a love story, it's a love story between people with Black and Native heritage. That's important too, right? It is. I mean, to be human is to love. And, you know, no matter our skin color or our culture or or our nationality or our ethnic group, people love. That's what people do, whether they're biracial or, you know, or not. And, and, And I think that allowing children, whether they're Afro-Indigenous or Indigenous or Black or White or Latinx or of any sort of racial ethnic background to see themselves and to see the love that they may have for their parents or someone else, you know, in the love of Magnolia and John as conveyed in this story, I think it's a beautiful thing. Well, you said that there are other stories that you want to adapt for children. Any hints that you could drop? as to what those might be or why? 
So we, I mean, the next story, so we're actually going to be doing six, um, I've been doing six books for children based on, on Zora's writings oh, wow. and, 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 and the folklore she collected. And, and the next story is, I think, going to be coming out next March, and it's called The Making of Butterflies. Oh, wonderful. And it's a folk tale about how butterflies, you know, how God, the creator, ultimately created butterflies. Oh, that sounds amazing. Can't wait to see it. Ibram X. Kendi is director of the Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research. He's also the author of several books, including How to Be Anti-Racist and a new children's book, Magnolia Flower, which is out right now. Ibram, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Today's Reset was produced by Charles Dastin and Stephanie Kim. Ethan Schwab mixed this episode. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our interviews with other authors, newsmakers, and scholars. And while you're at it, you might want to check out our conversation with author Margot Jefferson about the goal for her new memoir, Constructing a Nervous System. To be as intensely felt as, um, you know, the more traditional, let's say, psychological, geographical material is, and to be felt through, um, through race, through gender, through family. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.